Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine and sponsored by Steer. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bilotto, and today we have some great guests on the show. We have Congressman Will Hurd, who will be joining us, as well as Sean Strawbridge with the Port of Corpus Christi. But now, without further ado, I want to bring on Associate Editor of Shell Magazine and Resident Energy Expert for In the Oil Patch Radio Show, David Blackman. David, welcome to this week's show. Hey, thanks for having me. You know, uh, some crazy things have been happening with our weather. Uh, We had snow, and then Uh, it's like 70 degrees today. Uh, Beautiful. (laughs) Uh, Just what is going on with the the weather? (laughs) It's crazy. Did you get some snow? Global warming, I guess. You know, I don't know. Yeah, we didn't get any snow up in North Texas. It was all in South Texas and Mexico. It was amazing. Oh, my goodness. Yes, uh, we had snow here in San Antonio and in Corpus. It was crazy. but I want to get started with, um, you know, we I saw a report this week that President Trump's Interior Department plans to open access to exploration and drilling for oil and gas in the U.S. Atlantic coast. Now, that's typically been off limits for a very long time. So tell me, what do you think about this proposal? Well, you know, we've, uh, we've seen this come up many times since 1989 when uh, President George Herbert Walker Bush, the first George Bush, uh, issued a moratorium on any exploration off the Atlantic or Pacific coast in the U.S. Um, that was due to an oil spill off of Santa Barbara way back then. Um, and, you know, ever since that time, the, the industry has been advocating and, and various state officials in the states on the eastern seaboard have advocated for this. Um, it was obvious, obviously fell on deaf ears during the Obama administration. We almost got it done during the second Bush presidency, but uh, that failed as well. So here they are trying it again. The Interior Department is going to uh, try to include in its revised five-year plan. They do a five-year planning process for all the federal waters, and they're going to try to include the eastern seaboard in that, uh, at least to some extent. And, uh, you know, it's known. uh, There are known quantities of oil, recoverable oil and gas off the east coast of the United States, and uh, there are companies that are interested in getting out there and starting to explore for it. Um, so we'll just see how it works. I, I don't know this, whether or not they'll be able to get it through Congress. The five-year plan has to be approved by Congress and uh, ratified by the president. So we'll, we'll just see if, if the politics of it work, especially in the United States Senate, you know, where it's always tough. Right. Well, you know, speaking of the Interior Department, you know, they held this federal lease sale near uh, the north slope of the of Alaska last week, and it didn't seem like it was very successful. Have you, any of the operators lost interest in drilling up there, do you think? Well, it, so, yeah, it was in the, uh, up on, on the north slope, onshore leases uh, of the north slope of Alaska, and only about uh, 80,000 acres of over a million acres that were offered were actually leased, actually bid on. Um, there was a lot of 
uh, a lot of money collected by the federal government, though. It's the most they've collected on lease sale up uh, in the north slope of Alaska in many years. The thing about uh, trying to operate up there is that there's only a handful of companies that, that really have an interest. Uh, typically, it's the majors and some large independent producers like Hillcorp uh, is up there and, and a couple of others. And so the the number of companies that, that are really capitalized well enough, you have such huge upfront capital investments you have to make to be able to drill up there and, and install the infrastructure needed that is just becomes too expensive for most companies. So, yeah, I, it was characterized in the media as very unsuccessful lease sale, but, but again, the, the actual money bid that was collected by the federal government was the most that they've collected in a couple of decades up there. So, so it was successful in some ways. Kind of a success really. And it's just, you know, an indicator of uh, just kind of the limited population of companies that, that have the ability to operate up there. Well, there you have it. Well, David, that's all the time we have for right now talking about oil and gas. But I'm going to ask you to stay with me. Uh, we are going to talk a little bit at the end of the show about some of the things that are coming up in the way of Shell Magazine and in the oil patch and uh, some other events that are coming, so you don't want to miss that. But now it's time to bring on Congressman Will Hurd of the 23rd Congressional District of Texas. Congressman Hurd, welcome to In the Oil Patch. Hey, Kim. It's always great to be on. You know, we haven't had you on the show for a while, and it's probably because you've been really busy passing pieces of legislation. Uh, we are now, what, on your 12th piece of legislation? I, I, that's correct. Uh, today was, was the 12th uh, piece. It was part of the National Defense Authorization Act. It was what we call the MGT bill. This is the Modernizing Government Technology Bill. And it's actually real simple. I think it's a smart government bill. Um, we all know, and, and, and you know, when I'm traveling my district, you know, it's 29 counties from San Antonio, El Paso. Even I'm in West Texas. If I ever said, if you don't use it, you what? Everybody says you lose, lose it, it, right? But exactly. And and in government procurement, that's always been the case. And what we did, and it's for the chief information officers. If a if a CIO, the chief information officer, saves money by modernizing their digital infrastructure, they can put the money they save into a working capital fund and have access to it for three years. So now you actually have a motivation to save money to modernize your infrastructure. You have a reason to get rid of, you know, code in your software, you know, software that's 60 years old. Um, and now uh, the federal CIOs have a tool um, in order to do that. So what does that mean? That means they're going to be able to introduce the newest and latest technology in order to defend their infrastructure. And they're going to be able to do things to ensure that the various agencies are providing better citizen-facing services via their websites and digital platforms. So it's pretty exciting. It's probably one of the biggest procurement um, bills the past Congress in a really long time. And I know IT procurement is not a sexy topic. Uh, nobody holds parades for IT procurement. Um, but the reality is if, if you want to change the way – if you want to change outcomes, you have to change the way the government does business. The federal government spends – $90 billion, that's with a B, on purchasing IT goods and services, and 80% of that 
is on legacy systems, stuff that you and I would consider old and archaic. That's outrageous. That's a gross misuse of taxpayer dollars. And with the with the MGT bill getting signed into law, we now have a tool to prevent that from happening. Well, it is so nice and refreshing to see, uh, you know, a younger Congress, a Congress that actually um, is of the people, has worked in private sector and kind of sees inefficiencies in a different way. It's not, we've always done it this way. Let's just keep doing it. Don't fix what's not broken type of mentality. And, you know, it, it took you coming along to see how really bad the government is in wasteful spending and trying to curtail that. And, and I'm, I'm sure all of the listeners, including myself, are very grateful that you've taken this approach and actually put it into law. And and I want to talk a little bit about, we didn't get to actually introduce you, but I do want our listeners to know a little bit about you and your district and why you wanted to run for Congress. Because most congressmen have not pushed through 12 pieces of legislation <laughs> in their whole time of being in D.C. And you are a fairly new congressman who has just, you are in your 12th bill. So let's talk a little about what, what inspires you. So I was I was I was born and raised in San Antonio and went to the Texas A&M uh, Gigam Aggies and then um, went straight into the CIA. So I was an undercover officer. A I was spy. the guy. Yeah, I was <laughs> exactly. I, I was the guy in the back alleys at four o'clock in the morning collecting intelligence on threats to our homeland. And um, I did it in India and Pakistan and Afghanistan and. Um, it was it was a great job, but I also had to brief members of Congress, and I was pretty shocked by the caliber of, of our elected officials. And my mama said, either part of the problem, part of the solution. So I left uh, the CIA, moved back to San Antonio, and ran for Congress, and um, I lost in that first race in 2010. But it gave me an opportunity to get be out in the public sector. I was a, a partner in a consulting firm. I helped start a cybersecurity company where – we basically broke into banks and stole their money and show them how we did it. And it was great seeing a, um, you know, how to start a company from flat footed from scratch. Um, we shouldn't in the United States of America in 2017, we shouldn't be worried about a cumbersome tax code when you're starting a company, you should be worried about hiring the best people. You should be worrying about providing the best product. Um, and so that experience helped me. And then the opportunity came in 14 to run and I took it and I won this time. So I'm finishing at the end of, end of this year, will be three years um, up here in Congress representing the fine people of the 23rd Congressional District of Texas. Very good. Well, Congressman Wilherd, we do have to take a quick break, but when we return, I want to get into the discussion of tax reform. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hello, my name is Rita Stitch, and I am chairman of the Let's Rodeo Ball Committee. I would like to invite you to our upcoming Let's Rodeo Ball event. This party is a fundraiser to benefit the San Antonio Livestock Exposition Scholarship Fund, which helps the youth of Texas further their education. The event will take place on Saturday, January 20th, 2018, in the Joe and Harry Freeman Coliseum in San Antonio. Live entertainment will be provided by the one and only Clay Walker and everyone's favorite, Neil McCoy. Our dance band will be Clint Taft and the Buckwild Band. Your ticket will include an open bar and catering by San Antonio's best caterer, the RK Group. Tickets and tables are available online at sarodeo.com. Just scroll down to the Let's Rodeo Ball picture, or you can call 210-225-5851. 
That's 210-225-5851, and someone will be glad to assist you. We sure hope to see you there. Managers, bosses, supervisors, hey, flu season is here. Don't let the flu bug bite your employees. Banish sick days and keep your workforce strong, healthy, and productive with Baptist Healthy Solutions, your answer to convenient and affordable health care that comes to you. Our mobile health unit delivers on-site, state-of-the-art, comprehensive care that keeps your employees healthy from the day they're hired till the day they retire. Trust Baptist Healthy Solutions with your workforce health care needs. Health care that comes to you. Call 866-334-2485. Again, that's 866-334-2485. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that will keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. And we're back. Our guest today is Congressman Will Hurd of the 23rd Congressional District of Texas. Congressman Hurd, uh, before the break, we were talking about what really made you want to run for office and uh, being part of uh, working in the United States government as a, a Undercover officer in the CIA. (laughs) Undercover officer. That's the best way to describe it, yeah. Uh, You really have a different perspective than many of the other great men and women that are in Washington, D.C. But I want to talk about tax reform because it's huge. Uh, It's kind of confusing to a lot of people. Some people uh, hear it's bad. Some people hear it's good for them. What? Tell me your take on the tax bill and, and what is important that Texans should remember or should be supporting the bill or not supporting the bill? Sure. Um, and, and look, it, it's a it's a once in a generation opportunity to change our, our, our tax code. Mm-hmm. There's, there's technically two bills. There's a bill that came out of the House of Representatives, and then there's a bill that came out of the Senate. And right now, we're in what's called a conference committee. A conference committee is when, the, when members of the House and the Senate work together to work out the differences of the two bills and come up with one version that then gets voted on again in the House and the Senate. Right? And so, so this is and, – and then when that happens, when those things pass both, when that bill, when that combined bill or that edited bill um, passes the House and the Senate again, then that's what goes to the president's desk right. for signature. And our goal is to get all this done um, by the Christmas break. What are so, the odds of that? Do you think it'll be done? I, I think I think we can get there. I think we can get there. And so I, I can talk. I can talk about the the, the parts of the House version, right? Because and that's what I'm most familiar with. Because the the final version, um, it's going to be a little bit different. But the the major the major pieces are are the same. Um, the goal is to put to let more Americans keep more money in their pockets. Um, and spend it back home, invest it, save it. It will be, you know, to, to that's going to help spur the economy. Right. So, for example, in my district, eighty-one um, percent of the district fills out the the ten forty EZ. That's the form. That that means you don't deduct your taxes. You take the standard deduction. And right now, under existing law, the standard deduction for an individual is six thousand dollars. A little bit of a six thousand two hundred fifty, and for a family, for 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 a married couple, it's twelve thousand dollars. So what we've done is we've doubled the standard deduction. 
for an individual, twelve thousand. For a family, it's um, twenty-four thousand. And that's a lot of money. So that's a lot of money. So, so what does that mean? That means if you fill out the ten forty EZ, there's no question you're going to you're going to be paying less money in taxes. Now we've simplified the code as well, and this is what has created more um, confusion and consternation. You're going to be able to do your taxes on a postcard, and um, and that is because because we've simplified the deductions you can take because that standard deduction has gotten so big. Um, you know, you're you're going to have less people doing itemized and more people taking advantage of lower taxes. Um, so, so that is something that um, is is the, the a, a major part of this bill, and that's why hardworking Americans, um, hardworking taxpayers, are going to keep more of their, their money. And for, for a, a standard for a family of four that makes fifty nine thousand dollars a year, um, that's about the that's about the national average. They're going to get eleven eighty two back more. So one thousand one hundred eighty two dollars. They're going to be paying less in taxes, and nice. you know, I, yeah. And I talked to my brother. I asked him. I was like, "What would you do with 1182?" And he said, um, "Buy a whole lot of diapers." He has um, twin <laughs> girls oh, yeah. that are that are under the age of two, so that's good. That's good. That's that's about a year's worth of, of diapers. He, he he told me. Um. So so that's one piece. The other piece is on on corporate tax rates. We want small businesses keeping more of their money because guess what? When my when my favorite a uh, you know guy that owns the coffee shop when he has more money from his business he's going to buy another espresso machine and and put out more uh, coffee hire somebody else so that line when I'm rushing in there in the morning there's not a long line and more people can get through and, and get and get a coffee before they before they go to work right um that's that's where him keeping more of his money he's going to invest in his business he's going to invest in his people and then you deal with the corporate tax rate um, you know, we have the, one of the highest corporate tax rates in the industrialized world, and we should make America the best place to do business. So, um, you know, you see corporate tax rates going down as well. So, so what does all of this mean in the end? We have the, in the lowest unemployment in, since we've seen since 2001. We've had two quarters of economic growth um, at 3%, which is which is Nobody thought we were going to get there, and then you can supercharge the economy with um, with tax reform, and you're going to see uh, you know a million jobs created, and um, you know uh, that's going to be a that's going to be a, a a real opportunity, and and the the economy is going to grow, so you you have a bigger pie. Now some of the detractors are going to say this adds to the debt. Um, you know uh, this group is going to be disadvantaged because you're taking away this um, individual you know, deduction, but the overall, you gotta look at the overall tax burden on an individual and it's going to be less. Um, some of the assumptions about this plan, you know, when you make projections into the future, those projections are based on fundamental assumptions. And many of the folks that are criticizing this plan are making, assum- are making projections based on assumptions of a zero growth. For the for the American economy, and so if you have zero growth, which you know there's no way that that's going to happen under this. Um, so that's where that's where some of the some of the debates are going to be. Um, there's some finer points that are still being negotiated out over the next few days, 
um, before a final version is voted on. Well, and we do have to take a quick break, but when we return, Congressman Hurd, I want to talk about the uh, Obamacare tax that's in this bill. Where does that go? But we do have to take a quick break. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Have you heard of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, the largest state association in the country? 87 years strong, serving independents, and it's right here in Texas. Offices in Houston, Austin, and Wichita Falls. Over 3,000 members of all ages like you who are in the oil and gas industry or who have family members and friends who are. Company members range from one employee to large independents. Lobbying, networking events, and saving you money. For a membership tailored just to fit your budget, contact Sandy Simon at sandis at texasalliance.org or call 281-997-7223. That's 281-997-7223. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us to get the right part right now. Here's the number, so write it down. Oilfield experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Congressman Will Hurd of the 23rd Congressional District of Texas. Congressman Hurd, before the break, we were talking about the tax reform bill and how they're being merged together to create one great bill to help the American taxpayer uh, simplify their taxes. But I there's something also that um, is important to me um, because there's a lot of confusion to discuss, and that is uh, right now everybody is in open enrollment uh, trying to find reasonable health care uh, and also, uh, you know, not be penalized on their taxes. What is going on in the tax bill pertaining to the mandate that's required that everybody has health care. Sure. This is one area there was a difference between the House and the Senate version. The Senate version included a repeal of the individual mandate, and the House version did not. A repeal of the – when, when Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act was passed, um, there was a, a mandate that every person buy insurance. And one of the things that um, – and, and so if you don't have insurance, you have to pay a penalty. And so the repeal of the individual mandate um, is, would, in, would say that you know, it's not against the law to not have insurance. And so that is what that, that, that the, the repeal is. And there's still um, conversations going on about um, whether or not this is included in, in, the, final, in the final version. Um, it still has a broader question on on insurance and healthcare. You know, we should be increasing access to and decreasing costs of healthcare. And I think the way we do that is by broadening options, um, improving price transparency, um, because we need to know what you know how much stuff costs, and so that you can make good buying decisions. What about something that's very important to you? I want to change gears just a little bit. Something that's very important to you. You've talked a lot about it. Is cybersecurity? Give me uh, an update. It's amazing to see, uh, quickly before I get into cybersecurity, what is going on in D.C.? It's crazy. However, you guys are getting work done behind the scenes. 
one of the greatest topics that you talk a lot about is the importance to cybersecurity. And, and sometimes we're vulnerable because we don't talk about these topics. Tell me a little bit about um, what are y'all working on pertaining to cybersecurity? Well, cybersecurity is important because we're living in an increasingly connected world. And um, the way you're able to defend yourself is if you follow, you know, basic practices of good digital hygiene. Have a strong password that's 14 characters long. Um, make sure the software is on, on your phone and your computer is up to date. Um, and don't click on emails that you don't know where the sender is coming from, right? You know, these are yes, yes, these yes. are all some, some very basic things that if we do it, um, we're going to protect ourselves. Um, but sharing information that our bad guys are, are trying to get into our systems, um, organized crime, Russian intelligence services, Chinese intelligence services are trying to steal secrets, um, steal credit card information, steal, steal um, health records. And so making sure the federal government is sharing information about these kinds of attacks with the private sector is one. And then, and then two, um, making sure when it comes to the federal government, the federal government is doing everything it can to defend the, the information they have on American people. And that's why we worked on our big bill, the MGT bill or the Modernizing Government Technology Bill, which just passed recently as part of the National Defense Authorization Act. And it's going to allow the federal CIOs, chief information officers, the people that are responsible for government systems um, to introduce the latest and greatest technology into their systems to defend our information. Well, I'm glad that you were elected because I think it took someone of your caliber to go in there and kind of help. Uh, You know, we all saw what played out between the election of Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, and we saw as a society as a country the vulnerability that we you know have had by not taking these things seriously and the fact that you're there and you're talking about it and you're an expert in this area really reassures me personally that we're going to be okay we've got a member of congress talking as an expert to the rest of congress of where we need to go because i think that as americans we never want to see what happened uh emails coming out and and, uh, being vulnerable to other countries that don't have our best interest at heart. And uh, your bill, the MGT bill, is going to strengthen and solidify, hopefully, that that never happens again. And also, I want to say that, you know, you're on your 12th piece of legislation and you just keep doing the great job you're doing because you are a shining star as far as I'm concerned as an elected official. You really are there working. And uh, 12 bills truly demonstrates you're working. Uh, a lot of members of Congress have never even passed five pieces of legislation. Whole time <laughs> they haven't there. even passed one. They haven't <laughs> even passed one, Ken. Well, I, I appreciate those kind words, and I appreciate um, the opportunity to come on and, and talk to your listeners. It's always good to chat, to chat with you. Well, thank you for being a guest today, and we look forward to when you come back and give us an update on maybe after tax reform and uh, a couple of other bills, because probably within six months you'll already be on 20 bills passed. <laughs> Knowing your record. Well, thank you, and, and, and Merry Christmas. Same to you. All right, well, there you have it. Congressman Will Hurd, the 23rd Congressional District of Texas. You're listening to In the Old Patch, and we'll be right back. Let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us. That's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G dot com. And we're back. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show. It's with great pleasure that I get to bring on our next guest, which is Sean Strawbridge. Sean, you have a pretty exciting and historic announcement coming out from the Port of Corpus Christi. Uh, so let's get started. What's the news? 
Well, the Port of Corpus Christi, Kim, is enjoying uh, the second anniversary of the lifting of the export ban on U.S. produced crude oil. Uh, President Obama signed that uh, legislation into law on December 18th of 2015. And since that time, the Port of Corpus Christi has seen phenomenal growth in that particular sector. Uh, we are now exporting to over 30 countries around the world and are the largest port for exporting U.S. produced crude oil. So we're very excited about this milestone. Right. And I mean, really, truly, the Port of Corpus Christi is really embarking on some huge historic changes that is really in, you know, probably even five years from now, but really definitely in 10 years from now, it's not going to look the same. This city is going to be a a lot different in so many great ways pertaining to energy. And so my question is, along with all these new announcements that are coming out of the port growing and deepening, and there's also another historic announcement, and it's it's you. Um, So let's talk about your new title with the port and uh, and how historic this is for uh, the Port of Corpus Christi. Well, I'm honored to be appointed as the port's uh, first chief executive officer. Uh, The port has been guided under the steady hand of our executive director, John LaRue, for the last 23 years. And John has done yeoman's work in marshalling the port to the successful position that we're in today. And it's very gratifying and humbling to be selected by the Port Commission to succeed John as we continue our exciting journey uh, towards energy uh, dominance uh, that this country is uh, is in a position to, to, to experience. Well, it's really good to see that as the port is growing, uh, honestly, on an international market pertaining to energy, uh, you know, John LaRue has done an amazing job and will continue to do an amazing job. But with this kind of growth, I think there is a real need for more leadership and assistance in in having this having the port of Corpus Christi step into these big shoes that they're going to fill. And it's good to see that the leadership, the uh, port commissioners, uh, really see the benefit of bringing somebody as successful as you also uh, to the port and in uh, the leadership role. Talk to me quickly about how did you arrive at the port? What is your past maritime experience? I've been in the maritime industry since 1990. I have had the good fortune of working in various roles, operations, sales, uh, finance. Uh, my original education is in accounting, uh, so I'm very much a, of a numbers uh, fella. Uh, but uh, the work that I've done both on the, uh, on the land side and uh, on the water, uh, starting my career with a company called Sealand, uh, has really given me great experiences. I've had the, uh, the good fortune of also living overseas, Uh, And I've forged many relationships over my 27-year career. And to be able to land at the Port of Corpus Christi at such an exciting time, just really I feel extremely fortunate, and I am am, uh, one of the luckiest guys in the industry uh, to be able to work with such great men and women uh, that work here at the Port of Corpus Christi and to be able to 
experienced John's mentorship as uh, as John continues to uh, to show his leadership here uh, and will be around uh, in the near term uh, to, to help me as I settle into my new role. Well, you know, um, understanding that uh, just quickly how much work is going on at the port or scheduled to start the uh, deepening of the port. You're getting a new wing, if you will, uh, another area which is uh, going to be designated for what, Bolero? Well, the port is embarking on a 10-year, nearly $1 billion capital investment program. And that includes uh, the deepening and widening of the Corpus Christi ship channel. That includes building new docks and new terminals for our customers and all the supporting infrastructure that is necessary to make a port competitive. And as a government agency, our lower cost of capital affords us the ability to not only use our capital uh, to develop our land that then we can lease under long-term agreements with private industry, but also to go and raise additional capital to be able to put into infrastructure that then can be turned over to private industry to operate and maintain. And that is truly what a public-private partnership is. And the Port of Corpus Christi has been engaged in P3s for many, many years. Uh, That is our business model. And we've been in business for over 91 years. Uh, We plan on being here uh, for another 90 years. And the the growth that we're experiencing right now, not only with our legacy customers, such as Valero and Flint Hills and Citgo, but also new customers such as First Alpini and Howard Energy and Exxon, uh, make it a real exciting time uh, to be here at the Port of Corpus Christi and to see the growth in the South Texas Coastal Bend community. And, you know, Sean, in closing, I just want to say that one of the reasons why uh, it was delightful to have you on the show is to help our listeners understand that currently over 70% of the port of Corpus Christi's total outbound crude oil is shipped to export markets where U.S. producers receive premium prices for light sweet crude coming out of Eagle Ford and Permian Basin and other shell place. This is why Corpus Christi and the Port of Corpus Christi is vital to energy and energy markets. And as you guys dominate the international stage, it's an exciting time. Uh, And I am glad that you have taken the helm as the new Chief Executive Officer for the Port of Corpus Christi. Sean Strawbridge, thank you for being with us today. And we look forward to having you back on the show when we can really get into the meat and potatoes about what's going on at the Port of Corpus Christi. It's my pleasure, Kim. Thank you. And with that, we do have to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy. 
Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side -side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three and six person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side -side owner study. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch. I'm David Blackman, Associate Editor for Shale Magazine. I'm here with Kim Bellotto, the boss. We're kind of reversing roles in this segment because we wanted to talk with Kim about what 2018 is going to look like for Shale Magazine and for In the Oil Patch, our radio program, and a couple of other things that she is in, involved in uh, in her extracurricular activities outside of Shale Magazine. Kim, are you ready to go? I am, David, and this is very different for me to be interviewed instead of being interviewing someone. Uh, but, you know, we have some exciting things happening in 2018, and I really felt it was worth telling our listeners, you know, you if you like what you got in 2017, you're going to love 2018. Um, and so I, I kind of wanted to talk about that. You know, you are the associate editor of Shell Magazine. Uh, it is, you know, what been growing. We've been around for five years. We are now a nationwide publication focusing on all U.S. Shell plays. And, you know, you have really brought a lot of different stories from these different plays. And you don't, we don't, you know, you don't hear a lot of it. If you're in Texas, you hear Texas Shell plays, but you don't really hear what's going on in North Dakota and in the Utica. And so what we can expect to see more of is going to be more awareness for these other shell plays uh, and more international growth as well, especially uh, like online. So, you know, you, we, we don't want to give away any secrets, right, of, you know, who you're going to have on the cover and stuff. But I just wanted to, uh, you know, tell our listeners, if you love Shell Magazine, you're going to love it more in 2018. So there's going to be some big movement in, in Shell Magazine, but also in the radio show, David. You know, you are our trusty energy expert. You've <laughs> been in this, uh, you know, energy field for, what, more than 30 years? Uh, uh, quite a bit more than 30 years, yeah. I don't want to give my age away, but uh, yeah. And, you know, I think what, what is going to make our show uh, better is we actually are, are going to grow it in different market areas but also uh you know have, have you noticed that our guests seem to get better and better and better and um there's definitely an awareness for in the oil patch radio show it's one of the highest listened to shows on sunday night so uh in my opinion david i think we're doing something right people want to know about energy you know there's tell me how you feel about this but i know looking from an outsider in Energy is a very complicated topic, and there's nothing worse than being at a cocktail party or a dinner, and somebody gets on the topic of energy, and you are like the deer in headlights, like, I don't know anything on this topic. <laughs> <laughs> well, We've all been there. Yeah, and this is the show that gives you the ability to talk just a little bit on some energy topics and and be more aware of you know who you're voting for and why and what's real and what's fake and uh, I think we also hold uh, some of our elected officials accountable um, and we you know tell the truth when the truth needs to be told so 
we definitely are going to grow the show. It is a very popular show on Sunday nights in Houston, and so uh, our hope is to continue to grow it and uh, grow visibility. We've gotten a, a lot of uh, emails from clients that are on the show or their commercials, and they, they love it. They are, their phones are ringing, so I'm like, well, we're doing something right. Yeah, and uh, you know, I find myself listening on Sunday nights, too, uh, just to hear the other guests. You know, I, I generally tune in after my segment's over because I don't like to hear my own voice, but uh, but listening to the other guests that are on the program is always an interesting thing for me as well. And, you know, uh, another exciting thing is, you know, we're growing with our station, but we're also growing online. So we are now on iTunes, we're on Google Play Store, we're on TuneIn and Stitcher. So there, anybody who wants to hear the show can hear us now from anywhere. We're on multiple platforms. So uh, pretty excited to see our show growing and very excited to have some great guests lined up in 2018 as well. That's fantastic. I, before we uh, finish this, uh, we want to talk to you also about uh, an activity you're involved in outside of work with the Houston chapter of the Women in Energy Network, which... Uh, you're on the board there, and uh, I know there's a lot of neat stuff going on in that organization and events that are coming up in 2018, and just wanted you uh, to have a few minutes to talk about that. You know, David, I really am very proud to sit on this board. Uh, to me, there are other organizations that deal with women, uh, but the Women's Energy Network is all over the United States. They have chapters everywhere, but they truly embody to me what Women helping women in the energy field to network and to grow is really, they're doing it right. I don't normally sit on boards, but I am willing to sit on this one. I personally would tell every woman, join this organization. It is worth it. But we are having some great, great events. And one of them is January 23rd. It's called Young Women Energized. And really what Wynn does is gives out $5,000 to five lucky ladies in high school who are going to go into a career in energy and STEM. And so it's going to be held on January 23rd, 5 to 9. We are still taking applications for scholarships. And so anybody that's interested, I encourage them to go to the Wynn, W-E-N, Houston chapter and uh, learn more information. And, you know, David, we're also having the STEM charity luncheon. It's set for April 21st, and it's going to be at the beautiful Omni Hotel in the Energy Corridor. This is a fundraiser for a local charity in Houston that is going to give 30 lucky young ladies a STEM camp over the summer. And, you know, David, in the past, this charity luncheon has raised upwards of $150,000 and it's usually sold out. And there's about 400 industry folks, they're professional folks. So this is going to be a great opportunity for uh, Wynn to give back to young ladies, of course, and a great charity. So I'm excited. And now you kind of see why I sit on this board, because this is just great ladies and great companies and great energy folks. And uh, it's a great organization to be a part yeah, of. Yeah, that's a fantastic agenda for the year. And, and any focus on STEM is always worthwhile, as we, we know in our society, there's not enough of that. So Exactly. And you know, it's over 20 years old, so it's time tested. You know, these ladies aren't going anywhere. So it's a great investment for a company and or a woman who wants to get involved in network. 
that's kind of the overview of 2018 and what we're going to be doing. We're going to be very busy. So, uh, David, buckle up because you're going to be busy, too. Thanks for that update, Kim. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> well, great. It's all very exciting. It's all the time we have for this segment. But now it's time for... Trivia. Hey, be the first person to email the correct answer to this trivia question to radio at shellmag.com. Again, that's radio at shellmag.com and win yourself a $100 gift certificate to Fogo de Chao, the amazing Brazilian steakhouse. David, what's today's trivia question? Today's trivia question is, what is the congressional district that Congressman Will Hurd represents? Oh, that's a great question. Remember to be the first person to email the correct answer to radio at shellmag.com and win yourself a $100 gift certificate to Fogo de Chao, the Brazilian steakhouse. Well, that's all the time we have for this show, but be sure to like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash in the oil patch radio show or follow us on Twitter at shellmag. Well, that's going to wrap up another great show, David, and we will see you next week with more exciting news and insightful interviews. Until then, adios. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.